Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Quadcast Podcast. And a happy belated new year to you and yours. Here's hoping that 2021 is a home run for us all. For those of you stopping by for the first time, this podcast is mainly for and about folks like me who have had their lives affected by a spinal cord injury, but is really for anyone who just wants to be inspired. I hope that you'll find this as a 30 to 45 minute session of OT and PT for your soul. We have reached a milestone of sorts, this being our 20th episode. While I launched this venture back in May, I had no idea what I was doing, where this was going, and whether anyone would listen. The idea had been rolling around in my brain for well over 10 years, but since I've perfected the art of procrastination, I didn't get the wheels off the ground until I finally got the courage, the right equipment, and the perfect first guest in Scott Chesney. Scott was kind enough to join me for the maiden voyage and share his story of overcoming obstacles of all shapes and sizes with a combination of determination, positivity, and grace. Along the way, I've had the pleasure of traveling down memory lane with my initial OT and PT, Dawn Texas and Hilary Shackelford, catching up with my mentor, the great Dr. Stephen Kirschblum, senior medical officer and director of the Spinal Cord Injury Program for Kessler Institute for Rehabilitation, Rutgers football player, friend, motivational speaker, and now coffee house owner Eric Legrand, and Tony Award-winning actress Ali Stroker, just to name a few. On the heels of a rough year for us all, if one of your resolutions for 2021 is to add more positivity and inspiration in your life, perhaps the Quadcast can help you along the way. You can find each and every one of my conversations by logging on to my website, which is www.quadcast.org. See you there. It has been some time since my last show, and I will tell you it has not been due to a lack of trying. I have traded a dozen or so emails with today's guest, first gauging his interest in coming on, and then the hard part, actually getting a date on the calendar. Well, I'm happy that today is the day. I must first give a major tip of the cap to the aforementioned Eric Legrand, because it was he who opened the door for me and Adam Taliaferro to speak today. Adam has an inspiring story, which you will hear from his own mouth shortly, but here is a brief Cliff Notes version. Adam grew up in New Jersey and was, shall we say, a star athlete. Football was his calling card, but he was also an accomplished basketball player and track and field athlete. Recruited by most of the top colleges in the nation, he chose Penn State University in 2000. Adam had the chance to play right away, something uncommon for freshmen under legendary coach Joe Paterno. Unfortunately, in only his fifth game, his life would change forever. Playing against The Ohio State University at the Horseshoe in Columbus, Ohio, Adam suffered a spinal cord injury with his tackle and subsequent fall, leaving him paralyzed from the neck down. This is not nearly the end of his story, however. Following intense rehabilitation, Adam regained the ability to walk, and he returned to school less than a year removed from the injury. A quick look at his Twitter page, and you will find the following on his profile. Penn Stater, New Jersey General Assembly. Talia Farrow Foundation. Lawyer, licensed realtor and motivational speaker. Wow, he has obviously not let this SCI define who he is. I have friends who have also graduated from Penn State, and they all have this saying about their beloved school, which is, we are. 
What is left unsaid and is assumed, of course, is the final two words of the saying, which is Penn State. If you follow Adam on his Twitter page, you will find We Are tweets most fall Saturdays during college football season. He is no doubt proud of his alma mater. Following this brief commercial break, I am thrilled to bring you a remarkable story of yet another spinal cord injury survivor, and he is Adam Taliaferro. We'll be right back. The big insurance companies barrage you with endless commercials and then have operators on standby, who knows where, ready to push you through the process. At LG Insurance, we'd like to get to know you, find out what your needs are, answer all your questions, earn your trust. No rush here. We'll take all the time you need, and we still have backing from all the big guys, so we'll get you a great rate too. LG Insurance, local feel, national backing. And welcome back to the Quadcast. It is now my pleasure to welcome to the show, Adam Taliaferro. Adam, welcome. Thanks, for, thanks so much for having me. I, I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Terrific, terrific. First of all, what I like to ask my guests is, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where did you grow up? And what were some of the things you'd like to do as a youngster? Yeah, I, I grew up uh, in South Jersey, about 20 minutes outside of Philadelphia. Uh, in a town called Voorhees, you know, for anyone that's familiar with Jersey, uh, down in uh, near Cherry Hill, next town over from Cherry Hill. And, uh, you know, growing up, my my, my dream and goal was to, to play professional football. I started playing football at the age of six and really fell in love with the, the game. And my, my dad was my football coach. And my mom was never really thrilled with the thought of football because I was always one of the smaller guys out there. But, uh, you know, football was, was my love from day one. And and uh, I, I'm thankful. I grew up with two two great parents and a younger brother, and uh, life life was, was was all good growing up. I had, a, I had a blessed childhood. Sure. Now, who were some of your teams, and who were your some of your favorite players growing up on the football field? Yeah, you know, for me, growing up, like I said, in South Jersey, outside of Philadelphia, I was I was always a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Fan, and uh, I remember when I was a younger guy, you know, Randall Cunningham, who was the quarterback for the Eagles was always one of my favorite players. And, uh, you know, I, I just loved anything uh, that had to do with the Eagles. And even to this day, I'm still a, a Philadelphia Eagles fan. And I also, you know, I enjoyed basketball as well growing up. Uh, but, you know, I, I was just much better at football always, but, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers and Charles Barkley. And, you know, as I grew up, Allen Iverson, all those were sure. some of my uh, favorite players growing up. Yeah. Well, I'll have you know that your Randall Cunningham made life difficult on my New York football giants up here. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the, the NFC East rivalry. And yeah, I remember I was uh, one year I was Lawrence Taylor I, for, for Halloween one year. I just, you know, they had the little kid uniforms and I had the, the blue 56. There you go. Yeah. Well, every time it looked like Randall was on the ground, I know Carl Banks, they keep showing that that one iconic play where he hits him and it looks like he's down and he just sort of bounces off like Elastic Man and then <laughs> finds his way down the sideline into the end zone. So those were some great teams for uh, for you to root for as a kid. Now, you mentioned football was your goal and it was your NFL dream. Tell us about, as you got into high school, uh, obviously college coaches came around. Can you refer to us to some uh, some fun stories about being recruited and some of the schools that uh, uh, you made visits to? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I started when I got to high school. I played freshman football, and then I really, you know, 
played varsity my, my sophomore year, you know, started on the, the varsity team and uh third game of my sophomore year I broke my collarbones. I was, I only played in three games my sophomore year and was out for the rest of the season. But uh my, my junior year is when I really started to get, you know, recruited by uh schools and I before my junior year I went this was my first time going away to a football camp and it was at, I went to football camp at Penn State uh at University of Nebraska. Those were the first two schools uh, that I, you know, really visited it before I started getting recruited. And after, um, you know, going to camp there, they both offered me, uh, well, uh, scholarships to, to play football, it was, you know, really cool opportunity, you know, just from a, a couple, you know, weeks in football camp, they, they saw some potential and they said, Hey, you know, what we want to offer you. And, uh, for me, I said, you know, I want to play out my junior year and, and see what happens, which, which is what I did. And thankfully at the end of my junior year, I started getting recruited by you know, a, a lot of different schools, across the country. And, and for me, I, I, I took, decided to take a few visits and, you know, being from New Jersey, uh, went on to visit the Rutgers and, and of course went to Penn state and took a visit to the university of Tennessee. And for me, um, uh, you know, like, like all the stories, you just have such a great time on your college visits and getting to hang out with a lot of the players and to see what college life is like for the first time. Uh, and, and I, I just thought, you know, this is going to be my life. And I, I had the most fun down in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it was a little ways away from home. But, uh, you know, Penn State offered me that scholarship. And you know, I decided to commit to, to Penn State. And, and at that time, Coach Paterno was our, was our coach there. And he, he yeah. said, hey, you know, if you come to Penn State, I can't guarantee you're going to play as a freshman, but you'll get every opportunity if you do the right thing. And, you know, at that time, Coach wasn't, too fond of playing freshman, but, um, you know, he, he, I was just really excited that I had the opportunity to play early and I just thought it was the, 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 the best fit, best opportunity for me. And I, I went forward that way. And, you know, the day after I graduated from high school, I, uh, went off Penn state. Awesome. We are Penn state, as they like to say, <laughs> I, I made a point of that in my intro that you'll hear when, uh, when you get a chance to listen to the finished product, you mentioned Joe Paterno, the legendary Joe Paterno. Tell us what he was like on and off the field and what your relationship was like. Yeah. You know, coach, I, I tell people all the time that one of the things that really attracted me to state was you could tell that he you know, cared about you more as a person than, than a player. Of course, you know, he, recruited you because you're a, a good athlete, a good football player, but he really wanted to, he wanted uh, well-rounded athletes in his program. And, uh, you know, one of the things he first asked me was like, you know, what do you want to do with your life? And of course, you know, all of us are saying, well, you want to play in the NFL, but he was really stressing, you know, well, what do you want to do if the NFL doesn't work out? Let's start planning for that. And, uh, you know, as a freshman, you don't, uh, I'd say you don't have too much interaction with the head coach because, you know, you're just trying to find your way. And, um, you know, I was just thankful he gave me the opportunity to, you know, play as a freshman. But, you know, my relationship with, with Coach Paterno really, uh, I want to say, blossomed after my injury and, and yeah. the way that he, he cared for me and, and made sure that, you know, I, I stayed on track even even when football was no longer an option for me. Yeah. Now, you mentioned, let's let's fast forward to September 23, 2000. Tell us the circumstances of the day that changed your life, like what you remember before the game. You know, you're out at the Horseshoe in Columbus. That must have been amazing, um, mm-hmm. you know, just as a, as a kid opening your eyes when you walk through the tunnel and you're out there and there's, you know, 100,000 fans. So tell us what you remember before and then, uh, you know, leading up to the play that, that decided things for you. 
yeah, it, you know, I just remember being so excited, freshman going out to to Columbus to play. You know, the Ohio Book guys. It was. Uh, I remember it was a nationally televised game, and I was just uh, you know prior to that game, uh, Coach Paterno and his of our coaches say, you know, you're going more playing time. And as a freshman, you know, you're just so excited to to, to be getting time and to to show to show that you belong and. Um, we we get out to Ohio State and I, I remember it was a, a rainy day and it was actually storming and they um you know were thinking about postponing the game because of the weather oh. and then uh, you know we were able to get to the stadium and you know things cleared up and the, the game was too late a little bit but we we got out there and you know it's a typical game and unfortunately we were you know Ohio State had on that day but I was you know again as a, as a young player you're just out there still trying to make plays and uh, I was playing defensive back and uh, I was in there and it was the fourth quarter. And I remember the Ohio State running back, you know, got a pitch and was coming right towards me. I just went to make a routine tackle, a tackle I made, you know, hundreds of times before. I went to low to uh, kind of take his legs out, hit him low. And when I went in to make the tackle, his uh, thigh hit the top of my helmet and, you know, kind of pushed my head down. And uh, I remember hitting the ground. And uh, as I tried to get up, it just felt like nothing, nothing was there. I felt a tingling sensation going throughout my entire body. And, you know, when you think about life and, and yeah. injuries, you never think about the paralysis. You always think the bad stuff happens to someone else. So although I couldn't move while I was on the field, the thought of being paralyzed never went through my mind. Um, it wasn't until about, you know, four or five minutes went by and I was still unable to move anything. That's when I started to realize there was something seriously wrong. And uh, as they were wheeling me off the field, I tried to, you know, just give a thumbs up to let, you know, the crowd and, and more importantly, my parents and brother who were watching the game on TV, you know, let them know I was doing okay. And when I couldn't give the thumbs up, that's when I knew it was, it was really bad. And, you know, yeah. I, I was fortunate that I got injured in Ohio where they have a, you know, nationally recognized spinal cord center right on campus, right, literally right across the street from the hospital. As opposed to if I got hurt at Penn State, they would have had to airlift me to uh, to Hershey Medical Center. So I had a lot of things going in my favor that wow. day. But uh, you wow. know, when I got to the hospital, that's when they saw the severity. Yeah. Then I had a, uh, a you know a C five vertebrae and uh, had severely bruised my spinal cord. Yeah, which you know, left me paralyzed. Adam, what uh, a lot of people that I have on and uh, myself included, I remember when I uh, come to at the at the bottom of my basement steps after I had taken the fall. There was no pain. It was just yep. this eerie numbness that, you know, even just thinking about it now, I could throw up because it's that awful feeling of really nothing um, from from the neck down. And, and you sort of were feeling that with a little tingling stuff. You mentioned you were taken to a hospital right there. What were you told initially? Uh, and, and, you know, when did this kind of really start to sink in? Like, wow, this, this is happening and um, this is not good. Hey, you know, when I, when I got to the hospital, I uh, really didn't get too much information. Uh, they waited, my, as I mentioned, my, my dad and my mom were watching on TV, and my dad flew out to Ohio uh, that evening. And when he got there, um, you know, that's when the doctors told him, um, you know, the severity of my injury and, and basically that the thought of me, you know, that I would likely never walk again uh, because of the, the damage that was done with the injury. but. Uh, my, my my dad and then when my mom came out the, the next day they made the decision to not tell me the and the, how bleak the prognosis was so I, I never was told how how you know that there was a chance that I would never walk again I just 
was under the mindset that I, you know, had this, this, this bad injury, but I was going to, you know, do, you know, therapy or whatever it took. I was going to walk again, but, uh, it was, it was interesting because I, I, I think back and, you know, the parents, the parents really shielded me yeah. from uh, a lot of bad news, which I don't know, you know, how that would have, how, how that would have impacted me mentally yeah. hearing that bad news that, you know, I was only 17 at that time. And, uh, but I, you know, I had my surgery out in Columbus. I got injured on, you know, Saturday during the game. I had my surgery on Monday, and I was, uh, you know, in intensive care there for in Columbus for about a week. Then they lifted me back to Philadelphia to uh, really start my recovery. Amazing, Eric. Um, Eric, uh, Adam, tell me how about I'm thinking about Eric Legrand. You know, uh-huh. we're talking about this. He <laughs> set this guy. whole thing up the best. Yeah, we'll get into him a little bit later on. But uh, how important was your family? And your friends and your coaches. I mean, you'd only been on campus for a couple of months, but you had bonded with them through the recruiting process. You mentioned uh, Coach Paterno was there. But how important was that to you mentally? Because, as you said, physically, your your body was sort of broken down at the time uh, and you're worried about that. But a lot of people don't realize the mental aspect of having a spinal cord injury is just as crazy as the as the physical part. So tell me about your family, your friends and your coaches. Yeah, I, I think you really hit the, the nail on the head because um, uh, for me, I, I, I think for most folks that go through these injuries, the mental side is even more important than the physical side because a lot of, you know, with these injuries, you don't have much control of the physical side, but you do have some some control over the, the mental side and, and getting through it. And uh, I say all the time, there, there's no way I would have gotten through that uh, injury and, and those eight, nine months on my own and it really taught me the, the value of, of people and, and family and, and friends and, you know, starting with my parents and my brother who were literally, you know, there every, every single day when I was, you know, going through my, my recovery, my, my, my mom would be there in the morning and she would stay until my brother got, got out of school. And as she was leaving, my dad would come in, he would stay till I went to sleep. So I always had a, a parent there and then, you know, they were, you know, when they could, both there literally 24 hours a day and all the weekends and just having that support and, and, and care and it, it helps you in those tough times when, you know, you, you think about, you start feeling bad or sorry for yourself, but when you have your family there to, to pull you up and to say you're going to be okay, that, that goes a long way. And then you've got your friends coming in, uh, you know, telling okay, and you know, fans of Penn State football that would write me letters and stop by the hospital and, and all that put together really helps you want to get better for want to get better for other people, not only for yourself and for your family, but for so many people that are rooting for you. So I, I was just so thankful to have just great, such great support, and from my my coaches and teammates at Penn State that would fly down to Philadelphia. You know, they would fly uh, down to to see me at the hospital at least once a week, yeah. and you know, be a uh, coach paternal would bring a few coaches and a few players, and be a few different players every week. Yep. So it made me felt it made me feel like I was still part of the team that they still cared about me. So all that put together, I I felt like one of the luckiest guys in the world to just have such tremendous support sure. from so many people that I cared about. Yeah, that put the wind at your sails. As we said, the mental part of this is so important, uh, and the fact that 17 years old that you had all of that behind you just sort of uh, gave you that push. I'm sure that you that you needed. Here's a side question: Did you ever hear from uh, from the running back that that you were attempting to tackle on the play? Yeah, you know, I, we never 
um, you know, talked face to face, but I know, you know, after the injury, he uh, came to the hospital to just, you know, check on me and I was still, uh, you know, in the days at that time and, uh, and, and heavily sedated. So I didn't, I don't remember that, but, right. uh, you know, he did come and, 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 uh, you know, we, we connected a few years after the injury on, on social media, but, you know, never had an actual conversation, but, you know, we're, we're, I always tell people I was the one in, that hit him when I was injured. So yep. he can never bear any responsibility because, you know, fortunately that's just a, you know, these type of injuries are, you know, an unfortunate part of the game. Yeah. But, uh, we, we, uh, you know, we, we I see, you know, we see each other connected on, on social media. That's great. You know, these days. That's great. Adam, did the fact that you were an excellent athlete help you attack your therapy? I know as, uh, as far as PT and OT go, it's a mindset, uh, to want to mm-hmm. go in and rehab. Um, and did that help you that you had that, you know, being in the weight room as a, as a division one football player, did that help you in the long run? Do you think? I, I definitely think so. You know, as you mentioned, you know, you, you've got to have a certain mindset to, you know, go into to, to therapy every day when, when sometimes you're tired, you don't, you don't feel like doing it. And, and that's the same type of mindset that I had when I, I played football. You know, there's, there were days where you didn't feel like working out. There were days you didn't feel like practicing, but you knew in order, to get better in order to be the player that you wanted to be, you, you had to put in the work. And, you know, for us with, with spinal cord injuries, we, we all know that in order to recover, in order to get back to, to the lives that we once had, we had to put in the work. And uh, I looked at each therapy session as a, as a practice, you know, I, and my therapists were, were my coaches and, and that's how we went about it. So uh, I definitely think, you know, just playing sports my entire life and, Thankfully, I was, you know, I was young and, you know, I was in good shape at that time, which, you know, the doctor said was a big factor in, Huge. you know, my, my early recovery. Um, and so I, I, I tell people, you know, the injury was bad, but everything that came after it was a, was a blessing for me. Yeah. Did there come a time when you started uh, therapy that, um, you know, at first, obviously it was, it was rough and you probably weren't able to really do all that much. Did, mm-hmm. did there come a time where it started to kick in and you were like, you know, hey, listen, uh, all is not lost here. I'm going to be able to do this again. It might not be the exact same way. And heck, I'm not going to play football anymore, but I'm going to have a life. I'm going to walk uh, and I'm going to be, you know, a productive citizen. Did, did there come a time where that really kicked in and you you saw a light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah, I'm going to say about a month and a half after my injury and when there was still uh, a lot of question whether – I'd be able to, to move or, or, or walk again. And um, uh, I was in, you know, at McGee Rehab in Philadelphia where I was doing my therapy. And um, it was about, I guess I want to say about a month in from my time there. And I was in the room that evening with, with my nurse. And she saw at the end of the bed, my she saw something moving and she, she noticed that my, my toe was moving a little bit. And I had become so accustomed to trying to move and nothing really moving that, it kind of surprised me and she asked me to do it again and I was able to move my toe and uh, you know it was around 11 o'clock at night and she called my dad who had just left she called him to come back to the hospital yeah get back and, here um, yeah. <laughs> yeah and uh, you know she asked me to move and I was able to move my toe and that was the first moment that we thought you know this, this may be able to happen yeah. you know that uh, that Open and uh, I would say that was the that was the first glimpse, and from that moment, 
we really tried to, you know, hit it hard and do everything we could, could in ther- therapy to, um, you know, increase that, that movement. And, you know, unfortunately that, that the movement in my toe went away for a while and then, uh, you know, eventually came back and, um, uh, throughout the entire recovery process, my left side was always like two or three weeks ahead of my right side. So if something would start moving on my left side, it would take, you know, a few weeks later and, and that same thing would move on the right side. So it was, uh, I'm not sure. I know you, you know, know this just as well. It was, yeah. it was kind of like a, an up and down, you know, you have your highs and you have your lows, but you always knew um, that you you were work, working towards something, you know, greater. That's right. And, uh, that's, that's how we try to do it each and every day. Yeah, I can remember the same thing. It happened with me uh, with my feet. It started down low with my toes and I would uh, I would sort of high five my friends with my toes at the end of the day when they would visit me. And uh, <laughs> once I had something that would move, you know, Adam, I would hammer it. I would wiggle my toe a million times and see if I could uh, get it to go and, and sort of make its way up the chain. And luckily for both of us, that was the case. Now, how about mm-hmm. returning to school now with a career in the NFL no longer an option? You go back as just a regular student, like most mm-hmm. of us. What's the goal now moving forward? What are you thinking you're going to do with the rest of your life? Yeah, I mean, that's when I, as, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, you know, my coaches really stepped up to, to help me uh, really understand what, where I wanted to go now that, that football was no longer an option. But the, the biggest thing was they wanted me to, you know, make sure I stayed part of the program. So I became a student assistant coach with, with the team and, and I, you know, I was still at practice every day and in all of our team meetings and, and during games, I was helping with our defensive signals from the sidelines. So that, you know, that was the first thing making me feel like I was still one of the guys, but then, you know, during the week, you know, almost every day that I walked into the football building, uh, Coach Paterno would, you know, ask me what I wanted to do, you know, what he can be doing to help me decide upon a career path. And, and you know, after thinking about it for a while, I, I decided, you know, I, I wanted to stay involved in sports in some way. And I thought maybe I could be a sports agent and, you know, go down a law, the law path and, and represent my friends and teammates that were that were going off to the NFL. So that's that's when I decided I wanted I wanted to go to law school and and uh, try to become a sports agent. That's awesome. And by this point, Adam, you were walking, right? You you walked onto the field. Was it the the first game of the following season, the uh, the two thousand one season? Yeah, that was you know that was an early goal of mine when I you know when I was still unable to walk. Uh, our coaches had say, hey, you know, when you come back the next year, we want you to lead the team off the tunnel. And, uh, you know, it was a goal that I, I worked hard for. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to when I got back to Penn State uh, that following year, our first game of the 2001 season, we were playing against Miami. Uh, and uh, I was able to, you know, lead the team out the tunnel and come out. And for me, it was uh, more so just letting everybody know I was okay and, and also thanking uh, all the people that were there and, and part of my recovery. So, you know, my, my physical therapist and, Really, anyone that had a part of my recovery was in the stadium that day. And, uh, you know, it was a moment that I, that I always remember. Oh, man. And then, you know, so it was, it was a great experience. But then, you know, my the rest of my time at Penn State was, was great. And, uh, you know, it really helped prepare me mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, get me ready for uh, life after Penn State, which was, you know, going to, to, to law school. And I ended up going to, to Rutgers Law School. Terrific. And uh, tell us about that. 
yeah, you know, law school, uh, I tell people it was kind of like going to college all over again, but just with, with much more reading. And uh, <laughs> it was it was definitely a, a, a shift because, uh, you know, I came back and I was living back at home again and, uh, you know, living, living with my parents and right. uh, going to law school. And it was, you know, like anything else in life, it was an adjustment, you know, learning how to, to be a law student and learning all the reading and, and learning to, to, I guess, what they call think like a lawyer. Yep. And, uh, you know, the first year was, was tough. You know, you talk to anyone that went to law school, they'll say that the first year is the toughest year. And then, uh, you know, the second and third year, you, you figure it out. And it's, it's just like, you know, any other school that you're that you're in. So I was fortunate to, you know, this was, uh, geez, back in 2005 was my first year at Rutgers Law. And uh, you know, I graduated from, from Rutgers Law School in, in 2008. But, you know, like I said, I went to law school to be a sports agent and had the opportunity to, to intern over the summer while I was in law school with a, with an actual sports agent and with the NFL Players Association. And after interview, after interning with the uh, agent, I realized being a sports agent, it wasn't as glamorous as oh. as it appeared on TV. Okay. And decided, you know, after that, I decided to still have an interest in law, and I decided to go to the corporate law route. And, you know, after law school, my, my first job was in, in corporate litigation. Okay. Very good. And tell us now, while you're in law school, um, are you doing any therapy along the side? What are you doing to keep your body in tip-top shape, you know, following your spinal cord injury? Do you, do you keep in touch with your OTs, your PTs, your doctors? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it really started when I got back to Penn State. Um, you know, our, my physical therapists were at, at McGee where I did my initial rehab. They were great. They even came up to, to Penn State when I got back to Penn State to help our team trainers, you know, understand some of the, better understand some of the exercises and training I was doing while I was in physical therapy. So basically, you know, all of our, our team trainers at Penn State became, you know, real knowledgeable of how to put me through a workout. So it really, you know, I stayed in, in great shape and uh, was, was really doing therapy and working out every day uh, for my four years at Penn State. And it, it was tough when I left, you know, when I graduated from Penn State, coming back to Rutgers Law, so I didn't have my my team trainers and right. the training staff. And it was really on me to try to maintain, you know, all that I had gotten back. So for me, it was really important. I would, I would try to go to the gym at least three or four days a week. Yeah. And I uh, worked with, with a, a gym to really, uh, you know, maintaining flexibility mm-hmm. was a real big thing for me. Mm-hmm. And, and also, you know, just the cardiovascular side, I, I didn't still to this day, don't do too really any, you know, weight training at all. It's just really, uh, you know, the flexibility exercises and, and trying to, you know, the thing I like most is the elliptical. Okay. Is a, you know, the elliptical for yep. you know, 40 minutes and uh, trying to keep up with the cardiovascular stuff. Yeah. Move it or lose it. We found that out yeah. a long time ago, right? <laughs> Boy, I tell that you. That's very true. Yeah. yeah. With, uh, with this uh, whole pandemic and lockdown, it's, it's really taken its toll on my body. I really haven't had a chance to do all that much, unfortunately. I've gotten a little deconditioned and so I'm trying to get uh, Humpty Dumpty back together again over here. But uh, it's good that you you keep up with all that. Adam, tell us about the Adam Taliaferro Foundation, how it was conceived, what the main goals are, and what makes you the most proud that that all is accomplished. Yeah, no, thanks for asking. The um, foundation was created originally when uh, there was a thought that I, I may never walk again. And there were, there were so many people that were donating funds uh, to, to Penn State and to my, my high school saying, you know, this money is going to be for, for Adam's lifetime care. But thankfully, you know, I, I recovered and I didn't need those funds. But 
uh, as you know, there's so many others out there that that do need that that, that support. So, uh, my high school coach, uh, a guy by the name of Larry Ginsburg, and a few of his his high, and he you know my, he was my high school football coach and some of the other high school coaches in the area uh, came up with the idea to create a foundation to provide not only financial support but emotional support to to anyone who who really is going through a, a similar injury that, that that I did because we saw. That not only did you know for me to get through my my injury, I needed you know financial. You know, thankfully I had a scholarship and Penn State covered everything. You know, from a rehab perspective, but a lot of people aren't that fortunate. So we wanted to provide people with the same type of resources that I had going through my injury. So the foundation was created back in 2001, and you know I'm really so I'm just so thankful because it's a, it's an entirely volunteer. You know, our board. Is, is entirely volunteer, and, and and every dollar that we raise goes to helping patients like us get 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 back to somewhat of a normal life. So our, our main goal is to, uh, as I mentioned earlier, provide financial support. So we're ensuring step out. We try to step in whether it's you know purchase purchasing a van for someone so they can have transportation, uh, making someone's home wheelchair accessible. You know whatever whatever they need. You know a shower chair for someone to take a shower and a tutor. For someone that's in a wheelchair, when they want to go back to to college, you know, a full time nurse, different things like that, to to help people get get back to their lives. That's you know that's the main goal of the foundation. So I, I've just been so thankful. Uh, the president of our foundation, a guy named Tom Michaelbone, has just done a fantastic job. I say without him, without all the members of our board, uh, the foundation wouldn't be what it is today. You know, we've raised over about a million and a half dollars. Wow. To date. Uh, to, to just help patients. That's that's our number one thing, just helping people, you know, get back to a normal life. Giving back, right, Adam, is the way to do it? Well, we've, yeah. we've spoken about uh, a friend of ours that we both have in common, someone who really gives back on a daily basis through many different ways is, is the great Eric Legrand. When did you first mm-hmm. meet Eric and what is your relationship with like him today? Yeah, I, I first met Eric probably a few days after his injury. Um, I found out about his injury. We actually were having a 10-year uh, anniversary of my foundation. We were at a gala, and uh, it was, you know, Saturday. And um, at the gala, someone came up to me and said, uh, you know, there's a Barker's plate I was injured today, you know, playing on the field. And, uh, you know, I started getting a bunch of messages at the gala. And then, uh, you know, a few days later, um, I was able to, to meet Eric in the hospital. And I think like anyone that knows Eric, you're, you're immediately struck by, you know, his smile and just even, yeah. you know, at that time, his, how positive he was uh, uh, about the, you know, his, his future. And, that, you know, for me, I was like, he inspired, I, you know, people asked me to go there initially to inspire him, but, uh, you know, he inspired me and, and just in the first five minutes, just, you know, seeing how positive he was. He, he knew at that time that he was going to be okay. And I, I, you know, he and Eric have stayed friends. Geez, now it's been uh, over 10 years. And just to see everything that he's accomplished, uh, you know, he, he he's a true, I, I tell him all the time, he's a true inspiration to, to me and I'm sure, you know, to so many other people because he's the, uh, the epitome of perseverance. And the, the biggest thing I tell people all the time is, you know, people look at me and they're like, oh, you know, look at you. I'm like, Hey, you know, it's great that you're walking. I said, there's so many people out there that have spinal cord injuries that, that may not be walking, but are, 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 are overcoming every day and, and, and are doing things far beyond anyone that's walking or walking on this earth. Mm-hmm. And I think Eric, Eric is an example of that, that, 
hey, you know, he's still fighting every day to walk, but he hasn't let that stop him from, you know, he's starting his companies, he's motivational speaking, you know, he's a radio host. He's, yeah. he's doing so many different things that now you know, he's got a, people aren't doing. Now he's, he's got, got a coffee, coffee house, yeah. house going here. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. he's making everybody look like we're uh, sitting on our hands here, I tell him. He really yeah. is amazing. He's, he's an unbelievable uh, attribute. Uh, someone uh, to help the community. He raises money for the Reeve Foundation, hand over fist. And as you said, yeah. he does it all with a smile on his face that goes from ear to ear. Uh, and we're, we're thankful that, that uh, he's on that wall and he's doing things like that for all of us. Um, yeah. Amazing. And I appreciate him for, for putting us together to, uh, to have this chat today. Um, now, Adam, I know we spoke earlier after you had your injury um, and that a life in the NFL, the hard knock. Uh, bang up world of the uh, full contact NFL was not going to be in your future, but you have found your way into to the hard knocks and uh, high contact sport of politics. Mm -hmm. Tell us how did that get? Uh, how did that uh, come onto your horizon? And what is a day in the life of an assemblyman like? Yeah, you know, for me, I, I had never really um, considered getting involved in in politics much growing up and then uh you know after i got married um my wife and i moved uh, to where you know town called woolwich in, in south jersey still in south jersey and uh i was fortunate i, I started to uh become friendly with a guy by the name of steve sweeney who who serves as our, our center president and he represents the district that i live in but more importantly he's, he's the center president of the uh, new jersey senate and, uh, you know, we just over the years became, you know, friend, more friendly. And he said, you know, I, he really asked me if I had ever considered, if I would ever consider getting more involved. And again, I said, no, you know, I, what do I, I don't know much about right. public service at all. And he, he had mentioned to me how and why he got involved, a daughter and, you know, has a daughter who, who has special needs. And he saw there was a lot of opportunities for people out there with special needs. So he, that's the main reason he decided to get involved in public service and he said, Hey, you know, there's no uh right or wrong path to getting involved. If you, you know, if God's willingness to help people, you know, you, you should try it out. And for me, you know, I've been given so much through my recovery. I wanted to help give back in some capacity. So I decided to 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 give it a shot. And I as a uh county commissioner mm -hmm. in uh, Gloucester County for four years and then uh I was I was kind of blessed with with timing where the, the uh, person in our uh, somebody person in our district decided to step down, and I was given an opportunity to to fill that seat uh, six years ago, and I've been in the general assembly. I've run uh, now three different times, and thankfully thankfully have been elected. Terrific. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's been a, it's been great. You know, I, there are I chair of the uh, Law and Public Safety Committee in okay. the general assembly. And I tell people it's, it's definitely, um, as you mentioned, a lot like sports where you've got a, you know, some some tough issues that you deal with. Yep. You know, a lot of people you have to deal with that some are for, some are against you. But at the end of the day, it's it's a team effort. You've got to be willing to work with people and uh, get people on the same page and, and, and push in the same direction. And Compromise, that's what I try right? To do. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's what I try to do every day. And, and, and for me, you know, I always say I don't, I don't know how long I'll be in or, or not be in, but while mm -hmm. I'm here, uh, I want to try to help in my own little way and, and give people uh, some hope and, and help people the same way I was helped 
during my, uh, my my tough times. Making a difference. Now, do you have any higher aspirations uh, in the political world? And if not, what is next for you if you think that uh, politics uh, are not so much in the future? Yeah, you know, I, I'll, I'll have to think about that. And I, I try to, uh, the way I answer it is I say I try not to think too far ahead. But I feel I find I find in, in public service and in politics when people are always looking for the next job and next opportunity, they, they lose focus on, on what they're what they're currently working on. And that, that, that next opportunity usually never comes. So I, I say, you know, for me is the biggest thing I try to do is, is work as hard as I can. And and for the constituents, you know, I I I cover what they call the third legislative district in, in New Jersey. Just really trying to, you know, to be the best person in the assembly that I can be. And, uh, you know, if, if opportunities shall arise, you kind of evaluate them and, and look and see if it, I think for the most important thing is that he does it fit, you know, your, your family. You know, I got a wife, I got a five-year-old son and three-year-old daughter, you know. So, you know, those are the main ones that say yes or no. And if it, <laughs> if it makes sense, then you consider it. But if not, uh, you know, just keep doing what you're doing and, and, and enjoying each and every day. And I, I feel blessed. Focus, to, you know, kind yeah. of be where I'm at now. Yeah. Focusing on the here and the now, right? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Well, Adam, one last question. Uh, I ask all of my uh, fellow spinal cord injured guests is this one. Uh, if I could snap my fingers right now, which I unfortunately can't do, um, and, and you would be completely able-bodied again, what is the first thing that you would do? Uh, for me, it would be just go out and run. Like That's the one thing I, I kind of miss, just being able to you know, being an athlete, I was just so used to, you know, getting them to run. And and it's not that we're trapped in our bodies and, you know, we all have physical limitations, but I just miss being able to have that, you know, fluidity of just, just being able to run. And I'm so mundane and, and simple, but, uh, you know, I haven't been able to and, and for years. So, uh, and I, uh, it's hard for me to say one thing because I, yeah. when I was, you know, playing basketball, like little, you know, stuff like just, you know, playing sports, I do yeah. miss that, uh, a lot, you know, having a, a catch with a football, you know, things that are tough for me to do these days. But mm-hmm. as we spoke about earlier, you know, there's so many things that we can be down about and, and miss. Um, but we, we have so much to be thankful for and, and blessed for as well. But I, I think that's a great question because I'm sure you get uh, a lot of unique and, Great answers, but you know, I, I never really thought about it. But I think, like, mm-hmm. like as I mentioned earlier, you know, either you know playing some basketball or or just running would be something that I would uh, get up and do right now. If if, if I could, you know, like you, it's hard for me to you know snap my fingers as well. But if I could, sure. that would be one of them. You know, Adam, it's funny. I ca- I came up with this. Um, I ha- I've had the idea to do this podcast for a hundred years now, and I used to tell everybody, and then I would never get off my butt and do anything. So finally, I kind of got guilted into doing this, and then the whole COVID thing rolled around, and I was sitting around doing nothing, and I bought the equipment and went ahead and did it. But that final question, um, I was sitting in the hallway waiting for a doctor's appointment at Kessler. Uh, and mm-hmm. sitting across from me happened to be a guy that I went to high school with, believe it or not. He had had a terrible spinal cord injury. It's the two of us who were good friends and did a lot together. And we both find ourselves with these terrible spinal cord injuries. But there was a long hallway of people waiting to go in. And I didn't realize maybe I was, you know, talking a little bit loud. But I said to my buddy, I said, hey, Tommy, if I could snap my fingers right now and you were able-bodied, what's the first thing you would do? 
And it's funny, I heard some guy yell, I would go work in my garage. I was a woodworker. <laughs> and then another guy yeah. said, I would go stay in a hotel and sleep in a bed and not have to worry about somebody getting me up. And it was like it went down the line and people were just yeah. chiming in. And it, you know, it's not meant to be something that's morbid or anything, but, you know, it's true. You're, you, we're, we're stuck in these bodies and it's like, geez, if we could just go back, uh, it, it's something to, to think about. And you stole my answer because that's the first thing I would do is I would get my sneakers on and I would get some, my, my ear, earbuds in and I would head out for a run. I would want to taste <laughs> that sweat, you know, that salty sweat dripping down my face again. Uh, yep. that's, uh, that's that one. Well, I'll let you in on a funny one. Um, Eric. You know what Eric's answer was? You'll get a kick out of this one. Uh-huh. He said, John, you want the first thing, the first thing? And I said, yeah, the first thing. He said, well, I would open my front door and run out of my front yard butt naked would be the first thing that I would do. <laughs> oh, boy. And I said, well, thankfully, oh, yeah, your neighbors won't have to put up with that. But uh, yeah, that was his, funny. yeah, that was his initial first answer. But uh, he's funny. terrific. And, and I'm glad, Adam, I'm so happy that we were able to finally put this together. We had gone back and forth on, yeah, on some no, times and some dates. And, you know, hopefully, you know, through conversations like this and, and other ones that I have with other people who have ha- unfortunately had a spinal cord injury, people will find out that it's not the end of the road uh, yeah. and that there's still so much more that they can do with their lives if they just put their mind to it. Uh, and I, and I want to thank you again for coming on. Uh, and I wish you all the best of luck in the future. No, well, first, thank you for, for having me. I know you've had some, some great guests and thank you for doing this because I know, you know, for folks with spinal cord injuries, it could be a lonely feeling at, at time but to be able to, to, to hear your, your your podcast and to hear about other folks that have similar injuries i'm sure it gives a lot of people hope and letting them know as you mentioned that there there is hope after your injury and that you know, life does go on so i will be sure for the folks that i speak to 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 to, to make the make it known uh, about the, the this great podcast and please uh, continue to do what you're doing thank you adam we will do just that my friend And we could use any and all of your help in getting the word out. As I said early on, I am trying to build an audience two ears at a time. (laughs) Do you know someone who has had a spinal cord injury and has a compelling story to tell? Well, what are you waiting for? Give me a shout. Or better yet, email me and let's tell the world about them. My email address can be found on my website, which is www.quadcast.org. And don't forget that the Quadcast can be accessed at any time, anywhere on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Overcast, Podchaser, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. I hope to be back with more inspiring stories to tell in the coming weeks, so stay tuned. Special thanks again to my top-notch producer, Chris Parapesco. Thanks for sticking with me, Chris, and making this show sound oh so great. That will do it for this week. Once again, I am John McAlevey, and I thank you for your time. I don't-